Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit FightRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is returning author and fellow podcaster, Barbara DeLong, and we're going to be talking about the new book that she co-authored with Ken Goutsward called Before Roswell, The Secret History of UFOs. The famous Roswell incident is, in the perspective of many, the origin of what we have come to know as the UFO phenomena or in recent times, the or the UAP threat. Roswell was indeed a major turning point in terms of public awareness as well as government involvement, at least in the USA. But it didn't start at Roswell. The public view of UFOs beginning in 1947 is merely a continuation of long-standing phenomenological patterns. An abundance of historical UFO sightings exist from long before Roswell, working back through the centuries into antiquity and beyond. Citing 364 separate cases, Barbara and Ken show that anomalous phenomena is, 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 is as enduring, excuse me, through the ages, more witnessed and reported, or more discussed and debated than the UFO phenomena. Authors Barbara DeLong and Ken Gatsworth have taken the time to remind us that UFO visitations to this planet have occurred for millennia, while we as a culture have been conditioned to focus simply on the past 70 years plus. For more information, you can visit Barbara's website, which is barbaradelong.com. Okay, everyone. Again, today my special guest is Barbara DeLong. So, hello, Barbara. Hello. It's so good to talk to you. It's been a long time. It has been a very long time. <laughs> uh, so, but um, I'm glad that we're at least having the opportunity to, to catch up now. And, and you know, in addition to the newest book uh, with Ken, um, we're going to also kind of maybe catch up on what you've been doing um, besides that. So, first of all, um, the Before Roswell book that you co-authored, co-authored with Ken Goutsward, um, how did that collaboration come about? Well, it was actually um, one of the the best the best um, not mistake, but one of the most I guess synchronistic things that has happened to me in a very long time. Um, he was a guest on um, one of Mark Eddy's shows, so I got to know him there. And, and Mark Eddy has a a show on Nightlight Radio, so um, I I met him that way and. He apparently checked out my website, and 
On my website, I had um, I was married to Patrick Cook, who was a, a big UFO person, uh, UFO in the Bible especially, and had a huge website. And when he passed away, I made sure that all of the information on his website was either in the three books that he wrote, and, and what wasn't in those three books, I put onto my website, which basically was the UFO material and the giant material. So for some reason, everybody thinks that I am an, <laughs> that I'm an expert in the field of UFOs and giants. Um, and actually, after all this time, I am becoming a rather good expert in it all. But anyhow, he, he had noticed that I had a tremendous amount of material on sightings of UFOs. Um, starting way back 43,000 years ago and coming up to, I think, the last the last one there is in the year 2000. And so he asked if he could use some of the material for a book he was writing, and I said, you know, of course, go ahead. And uh, he called me back a couple of days later and said, would you like to co-author the book? Now, the book is a collection of newspaper and book clippings, throughout time and and actually he had taken and clumped them clumped, gathered them into different categories and there was a little piece written in between each of the categories and he had written a little bit there and sent it to me and I wrote a little bit in each of them he wrote the summation and I wrote the conclusion to the book so it it uh it, it was just sort of a happenstance that we got together and did that, uh, discovered our writing our writing um, styles was, was quite mm -hmm. similar to a great degree. And so then, I, you know, we had been talking afterwards, and I, I mentioned that I had published a book on poetry called Whispers of Spiritual Wisdom, that Patrick had published, and the patination was totally off. And because Create Space was sold to, I think, Kindle Direct, um, they, they did not acknowledge that I had an account, so there was no way for me to fix it. And he said, well, why don't we just republish the book? And I said, well, that's that's fine and dandy, but I don't have a publisher. And he said, I'm a publisher. <laughs> and I said, uh -huh. okie doke. <laughs> and, and, you know, this is, you know, it, it's as many authors experience, you know, you can write a book, that's a piece of cake. Well, it's not a piece of cake, but, but that's, yeah. that's the easy stuff. But then finding someone to publish it and actually get it out there is, is sometimes just daunting, and for me it was daunting. Pat Patrick was Oracle Publishing, so he published Whispers at first, and so I didn't have to worry about that, but when he passed away, I lost my publisher. Mm -hmm. so, Ken, so Ken took Whispers of Spiritual Wisdom, republished it with a new cover, and put it out there. And he said, I, I looked on your website, and you've got a tremendous amount of material there, you know, you got books all over the place here, and I said, <laughs> I, I said, well, that's true. It's, it's like about 500 pages, 
And but I said what I really wanted to do. Um, I, I painted the Cosmic Deck of Initiation, and it was published in '91. And after 20 years, the publisher stopped publishing it and gave me back copyrights and everything. And there were thousands of over 10,000, over 11,000 decks sold. And I said, there is a call for them now. The only place that I was able to locate a deck for sale was on ABE Books, and it was $200 for the deck. And he said, (laughs) he said, well, let's republish the deck. And I said, sure. (laughs) I said, and, and the handbook really should be written because I was I was going to write a handbook for it originally, and I never got around to it. And mm-hmm. so um, he started in on republishing the cards, which are, are soon to be out within the next month or so, in a hexagon shape. And I wrote mm-hmm. the the handbook that goes with them. And and in a way, it, it was. It was fascinating because I I channeled the paintings because I'm not an author I'm not a painter, but um, but I had sold over 500 um, hand painted mandalas for people and they're all around the world, but I channeled those and I channeled the cards and so when I did all that 30 years ago, I well I'm I wasn't new to the field. I wasn't old enough and wise enough to really write the handbook for them. And so Ken said, well, write, write the handbook and we'll publish it all together. And um, so you know how you blithely say, sure, I can do that. And that's what I said, <laughs> forgetting, uh-huh. that, <laughs> forgetting that, that, that where I was 30 years ago was very different from where I am today. And... So I started in looking at the cards, realizing they were they were painted in four different on four different levels of consciousness actually, and so the the uh, write up for the cards had to had to reflect that. And so as I went through the cards and I started writing the. Um, the definitions for them and how to apply them to just one of the, just one of the spreads, so people would get an idea as to what to expect. I found that level of consciousness shifted with each level as I went along, and you know the very first level was the chakras and and, and stuff like that. So it was more of a physical plane interpretation, and then came the cosmic laws, which were a little deeper, and then the universal energies deeper yet, and I I just finished the ball and and the last the last series was the astrological signs and then some what I called wild cards and I'm fascinated by how not only do the definitions of the cards the, the level of spirituality in them increases the deeper you go into the deck the more I realized that the handbook was really a handbook of spiritual development masquerading as a deck of cards Hmm. Very interesting. Well, you know, yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the fact that it's on, that it addresses the four different levels would, number one, um, you know, for, for people going through and reading it, 
you know, it, they would find, you know, a particular level. They would resonate with, you know, certain levels, you know, um, and so even if it's just the, the first basic physical, you know, level, you know, that, uh -huh. and then recognizing that, you know, there is that connected higher levels, you know, it, it really does give, it seems, uh, a pathway for people to to expand. And what's fascinating is, you know, I have the, the card and the basic interpretation of it, and then I interpret it as far as um, six different um, six different levels. There's um, there's 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 let's see, there's certainly uh, body, mind, and spirit. There's future. There's um, career and, and financial aspects. There's mind and there's love and there's spirit. So, so each card is interpreted in each of those areas for all 51 cards in the deck. Mm. And, and, and I have found that as I've gone through them, um, I can see why that it wasn't appropriate for me to write a handbook initially. And and that now is a much better time because my spiritual philosophy has shifted and changed so dramatically in the 30 years that 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 it, it comes to a time where things and and things have snuck in you know just for people who aren't um, you know that, that don't know much about the different fields surrounding mm -hmm. the body or the different the different um, frequencies that that. Can, can touch different aspects of your mind that can help you to help heal in many different ways to, my goodness, one of the things that came out was that you know, there's always been a question around that has floated around constantly. And when I got to, to that point, spiritual DNA came in and where does it come from? And, and as I'm writing, I'm thinking, geez, I wonder where I'm going to go with this. And then suddenly it all just flowed out and, and what happened was that, that, you know, when a fetus is formed, it, it gives, it gets pairs of DNA from both parents. But when the spirit en enters the body, it brings with it the spiritual DNA, which carries with it the history of that, that etheric spirit that is part of the source of all creation that traveling through time. And that it brings with it the spiritual aspects as well, which are melded and blended into the human DNA. So that's what makes us an avatar for the spirit to ride within for this lifetime. Wow. Which makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Now, why why the hexagonal shape? I mean, you know, I've not seen a deck like that before, shaped like that. Well, when the deck was originally published, it was published, published. It was the second deck ever published in a circular form. Okay. And mm -hmm. when Ken was looking for um, a way to publish the cards, a circular, a circular form was not available, but a hexagon shape was, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I find interesting okay. because it, a hexagon has six sides, and the one, uh, one. Um, spread that, that I interpreted was a pyramid spread which had six different levels and that's what the six different levels that all cards are interpreted on. So a hexagon was the perfect shape. 
And yeah, to yeah. my knowledge, to my knowledge, there's not another hexagon-shaped deck out there. I don't know of one, and I've seen quite a few. And, and when when you first mentioned the hexagonal shape, the first thing that popped into my mind was the James Webb telescope mirrors. Now, they're six-sided hexagons, and how they fit together, you know, to create a big picture, which is, I'm sure, the way the cards could easily do as well. Yeah, it's um, – the cards – yeah, I, I will I – will. Admit that the, the cards 30 years ago um, took me on an amazing journey, and, and they they continue to. The, it, for some reason, um, it's either the colors because every one of the cards has all of the chakra colors in them, just um, you know, in different variations depending on what the card represents, and and so the colors have to be considered. Um, in one of the layouts, which is called a foundation layout, which which does have, um, it's it's a very large layout. It's thirty sub cards, and mm. um, and what's what's fascinating with it, it, it contains within it, you know, uh, uh, it, it will give you a monthly, it will give you a monthly prediction of, of what energies to look for. It will give you the astrological spread. It will give you past, present, and future. And, and it will also give you the the six um, the six spreads that are in the pyramid spread can be applied to the foundation spread. And once you've gotten through all of that and, and you know read all the stuff and, and figured out what everything means in the days of the week and the months of the year and all of that, the most important part of the entire layout after you do all of that is to look at the cards that have not been drawn because those are the aspects you are ignoring at this point in time. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That little shadow area, you know, that, that doesn't get looked at very often. Yeah, I had I had one person that, that I think for 20 years came for a reading once a year, and and it got to the point where after he had – you know, drawn the cards and we've laid them out. Before I even started the reading, he said, what What am I avoiding that we have to look at first? And mm. yeah, it uh, it depends on what you're looking for from a reading. But um, it's it's uh, the cards are not necessarily, you know, they they do not give a yes or no. They will give you mm-hmm. philosophy. And the philosophy then has to be taken by the person and applied to whatever situation they're encountering at that time. So it's it's yeah. not your standard tarot. And uh so it's been it's been interesting revisiting the cards and what's really fascinating is US Games gave me back my original paintings and they were cared for beautifully because thirty one years later they look as though they've just been painted. And they were painted wow. in watercolor. And watercolor tends to fade, so. Wow, that, well, that's that's a that's nice. Yeah, it's called the deck of, deck of initiation. And there is, uh, if you go if you go to my website, that's barbaradelong.com. Right, uh, it has it has a lot of buttons on it, and you push in. The buttons are all very pretty, and it's a cool website. But 
it, right on the on the I guess the second level, there's a, a block that has the link to my YouTube channel, and then there is a deck for the cards that is um, in that same button, and you can push on that button, and it will take you to the website for uh, the Cosmic Deck of Initiation cards and handbook. Yeah, yeah. neither of which well, neither of which are linked yet, but they will be by the end of the month. <laughs> Well, good, good. Well, I'll definitely put that on my uh, on my calendar to kind of go in and check about it, check on it at the beginning of next month for sure. Um, now, um, we're going to take a, a break in, in a few minutes, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk. I want to talk a little bit more detail about the before Roswell book. But oh, before yeah. we do, um, you mentioned you know the the republishing of. Um, whispers of spiritual wisdom. Um, yeah. We did a show about that a long time ago. So yeah. would, would you mind sharing with the listeners um, a, a little bit about, you know, what the book's about and the poetry and, and that kind of thing? Sure. Be happy to. Oh, well, it's it's actually my, my late husband was Patrick Cook, and he saw a folder on my computer that had – the poetry in it. And he said, well, what's all that? I said, well, it's just poetry I've played with. And he read some of it, and he said, oh, no, you got to publish this. And I said, well, you're a lunatic. Nobody buys poetry anymore. You can't do that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he kept at me, and I said, okay, you can publish the poetry, but but let me put some sort of blurb or something on an opposite page so that there's more meat there for people to chew on. And and so that's what we did. I, I pulled, um, I call them little blurbs. They're they're like a page long stuff that, that they all came from the website. And so that you have, you know, a, a little, uh, I, I I call them blurbs, but it, it's it's really an explanation of, of healing or or I I think one of them was, um, are you a a prophet or a, are you a are you a prophet? Or are you um, a copier? Or are you a pretend? Or old? Are you a prophet or are you a parrot? In other words, do you just repeat things chapter and verse that you've you've um, memorized, or do you take wisdom mm-hmm. inside of yourself and then combine it with your own wisdom and lessons, and then put it out there for people to grow from because you've grown from it. So. Um, and and it for some and it was he published it and it it was a surprise to me that that anybody bought it because like I said it was a poetry book yeah <laughs> I know well well you know and and it's funny because I've had other poets on the show before and it's been a similar kind of um, you know feeling that. You know who who buys poetry, you know, but but when you think about it, you know, every song is a poem, and you know look at, look at how music and songs uh, proliferate our our everyday life. Um, oh, yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely. But these were just things that I you know they they, they mm-hmm. came into my mm-hmm. head and I wrote them down, and some of them are pretty, and and you know I. And I, I do have, you know, those that are favorites, but but it, it just to me seemed like just poetry? You've got to be kidding me. 
And <laughs> Patrick kept saying, no, no, they, we, we have to get him out there. And, and I eventually, you know, when it was published, I looked at him and said, well, they're out, they're out there now. Now stop bugging me about this. And so <laughs> we moved on. You know, it, it's still out there and it's republished. And actually, when I was talking to Ken, Ken, Ken publishes a lot of poetry books. And when he was showing me, you know, how he kept track of everything, as he pulled up, you know, his things, he said, look at that. Whispers of Spiritual Wisdom is selling. And I said, oh, you must be joking. <laughs> and it was selling. So. Wow. That's great. That's great. Well, it's a good, um, you know, um, it's a good thing, first of all, to have a publisher who recognizes the importance of, of poetry and then helps, you know, help you um, give birth again, you know, to this particular piece of work. Absolutely. I, you know, I must say I was very surprised, but um, apparently there are people out there that really do like poetry. I've shared it with some people who, you know, like poetry, and you know, I'm just not a poetry person. So the fact yeah. that, you know, it's, I don't know where it came from, but um, it's out there now. So, yeah. You know. Well, that's good, and that's you know for all, all the poets listening, you know, that, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's wonderful to hear um, a success story, and you know for them to you know forge ahead and, and, and keep putting words to paper. Well, you know, I I, I tell people that that um, there there are some of the poems that I that I I like very much, but um, I I tell people. If nothing less, um, it's a good bathroom book, and um, <laughs> and and you know for the for the Christmas after it was published, I had a I had a gift for everybody. I didn't have to worry. <laughs> That's one of the nice things about being a creator of, of products like that is when it comes time for for the holidays, everyone. On the list. <laughs> it's like, okay. There's no question what you're getting for Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, let me go ahead and take a, just a quick commercial break here, Barbara, for about 90 seconds. And then when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about before Roswell, okay? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello. This is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5 by 7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc., and we also have buttons to those platforms 
on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special returning guest is Barbara DeLong. She is a fellow podcaster, author, and artist, and she has so many talents. Um, you can find out all about those talents by visiting her website, which is BarbaraDeLong.com, and that's Barbara, D-E-L-O-N-G.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Barbara. Okay. Okay. Well, before we do, oh, go ahead. I'm going to say before we do Roswell, um, tell the listeners a little bit about um, your podcast, um, Night. Excuse me, Nightlight Radio. Sure. Uh, Nightlight Radio has been on the air for 14 years now, and um, the last oh gosh, seven or ten years of it have been. Um, I do interviews with authors that have. Uh, fascinating material that they have presented and, and have published in books. And I call it my Ph.D. I've got two masters, and so Nightlight is my Ph.D. because what I do is I find books that fascinate me and, and, and authors. And so I go to an expert in the field of their books, and I, I interview them on the show for two hours, and basically I pay them to – I don't pay them to tutor me on, on the topic that they've written on, and it's been a fascinating education for me, and I, I, I am so totally thrilled with a lot of the people that have been on. There have been some very well-known people on, and the books that they've written are an education in themselves, and it's been an adventure for me. I, I read a book a week, and then I get to talk to the person who created the material and learn from them, and then... It's all put up on YouTube so that people, and, and of course it's on Blog Talk Radio because that's where the show originates from. And um, I have found, you know, I've learned so much from it. I, I keep forgetting sometimes that, that you know, I'm, I'm there to help them get their information out there, which is what <laughs> I do. But I keep forgetting that, you know, that there's a listening audience that maybe doesn't have the same background I do. And, and it's, you know, I have to sometimes step back and say, let's clarify that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's wonderful to to learn. You know, I mean, to me, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of, of doing the show is I just learn so much. And, and then you become a, a good point um, of reference for folks, you know, that if they have questions, uh-huh. you can – you know, I bought well, talk to so and so, and why don't you go ahead and either check out his book or check out the show, and um, you know that way you, you become a, a resource, you know, for people who, you know, usually don't have the time, you know, to be able to kind of reach research things themselves. Oh yeah, and and then you become friends with them too because, um, my goodness, you know, last time we talked was eight nine years ago. And, you know, it was it was such a pleasure to hear from you again because um just so much has happened. No. I know, isn't it true? Sometimes it seems like yesterday, but other times it seems like it's been an eternity. But Absolutely. Uh, but you know, that's uh, the miracle of time. 
you know, in, in, in this um, relativity, so to speak. Absolutely. So, so I mean, before Roswell, though, it has is an exciting. It, it's funny. The material has been on my website, and there's a there's a lot more material on the website than this was put in the book because we started um, with 1947 and we went backwards, and mm-hmm. um, and we did that. I I say we. I I had nothing to do with how he arranged this and how he put it together, and he did it brilliantly. Um, but but 1947 was the cutoff point, and. In, in looking at it, and it's a question that we've gotten over and over and over again doing interviews, you know, why why did you stop, you know, why did you start at 1947 and go backwards instead of going forwards? And basically, as you read through it, you will find that that a lot of, most of the, most of the sightings, 90% of them, and there are over three or 400 in the book, they are they are observations that have no no fear connected to them. It, it's a casual. Oh yeah, we you know saw this thing in the sky and then we went back to you know plowing the field and but but you know it, and it, it, it's they're it's, they're very casual sightings so that um, you know you get the feeling that yes something very real happened and and yet you know you're getting the actual facts after forty seven. Um, there's so much, um, first of all, there's so much concealment to things that happen after 47. 47 is when they started to lie about it and they started to hide things from us, when they started to say humanity isn't prepared for knowing about these things. And then, I mean, and then of course, of course, we know, but it's the only person keeping the secret is the government. Nobody else thinks, you know, I, I, I'm sure there are things that we don't know. But for the most part, the government has has kept so much from us that that it, it's it's a crime. Mexico and England, a lot of places, have released everything they had, but not the U.S. So, um, mm-hmm. and and it was after '47 that people started to be fearful of UFOs and alien encounters and you know the abductions and the and the mutilations and. And after 47, you don't know really whether the um, the sighting was of one of ours, one of Russia's, one of Sweden's, one of Germany's, one of China's. You, you, yes, they are all UFOs, unidentified flying objects. But you don't know if they're of this world or another. And you don't know if they're piloted or drones. You just don't know. So yeah. prior to 47, yeah. you know, definitely yeah. they, they were strange. And I was going to say, you know, also, too, those um, ancient or, or earlier types of um, sightings, you know, didn't have that um, country, you know, uh, the, the idea of another country kind of having uh-huh. uh, the possibi- possibility of being another country. I mean, it was one of those right. things where, you know, it was just it, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the individual and, and the, the observer and, and, and what they were observing. Uh, and it didn't, there was, a, I think, uh, you know, a lot less noise as far as the, you know, possibility or, or the ability to misinterpret what one was seeing. Right. 
And and that's when they started to scare people with it. And and you know, as far as I was concerned, you know, it's 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 ridiculous. Uh, I the prior sightings were all so. I mean, there's a sweetness to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and even in the in the 1800s, uh, the late 1800s, I, I 87 ups, I there were. There was a plethora of sightings, and there was one in Aurora, Texas, that, that, that caught my attention tremendously. And, and apparently, this object was seen all over the country, and it, eventually, it, it crashed. It, it, it crashed into a, a windmill, actually. And um, they tried the, whoever was in it, the aliens, the, the little people. Um, tried to fix it, and they took off again, and then it crashed again um, at the edge of a forest. And originally they said that there were six occupants, but they only found the body of one. And it was, they believe, the, the pilot. Um, and he was, a, he was a little person. He was very small, but fully developed. And the townspeople um, took the body and, and put it in a casket and buried it and had a funeral and buried it in their cemetery. And the report came from a woman who at the time of the crash was 15, and her mother wouldn't let her go to the crash site but did let her go to the funeral. And in um, 1973, this is in the, in the late 1800s, in 1973, um, the, there was a government agency that, that went to Aurora to try to um, exhume the body of the pilot and the townspeople wouldn't tell them where it was. They wanted him to rest in peace. So, I mean, there's a sweetness to a lot of the stuff. Um, and, and, and yet, some of it is so amazing, it's unbelievable. For instance, did you know who the first human being to shoot down a UFO was? No. No idea. It was the Red Baron. He no, shot down... I, I don't know how many, I, I can't remember. He, he shot down like, um, ah, he shot down 80 enemy planes for Germany during World War One, but he was also the first human in history to gun down an alien spaceship. Hmm. Which that is interesting. Some day on um, some, some, game show on TV, that's going to be a question. And now everybody has the answer. It was there right there. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah. I mean, there, there, there are, um, the, the, the book is full of, of very sweet encounters, and it goes all the way back, I think, the last, it goes through the biblical stuff, which, of course, Patrick was an mm-hmm. expert in, and I don't even... I don't even attempt to figure that, but we go back 270,000 years B.C., and they were in the Sumerian kings list, and that's where first we get uh, records of people and flying machines and things like that. But no. way do, to go. do you, um, you know, one of the um, concerns I believe in the modern era of uh, hiding, you know, was the idea that 
the acknowledgement of you know of uh, UFOs or, or you know aliens, non-terrestrial life would wreak havoc with religion. Um, in in the um, you know the information that you went through, how did you know the UFOs and religion coexist? Well, I, you know, there was no, no, um, actually, <clears throat> actually, I, you didn't really hear or see anything that, you know, the church was, was outraged against. For instance, okay. um, there was a UFO that was sighted at one of the, um, Fatima, um, sightings. There was a disc sighted there, and it was reported. Um, the Catholic Church now admits that, that, you know, there are aliens and there are UFOs. I mean, at the time, it didn't. But you mm-hmm. you go back into India and, and the Vimanas, um, in, in the Indian tradition, they were, they considered them the gods. And, mm-hmm. um, but in, in, in the Bible, they're all over the place. I mean, you know, the 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 ship that that uh, took the Jews out of Egypt, you know, was was you know a pillar of light and and everything, and it showered them with manna. So even in the Bible, you know, they're they're talked of. They they don't call them UFOs, of course, but you know, God had a pillar right. of light, a fire, and and you know, but but and Ezekiel's wheels, and I mean, they're they're throughout the Bible totally. So and we didn't we didn't really go into a lot of the biblical stuff because you know it's been mm-hmm. going into over and over again so we really didn't right. touch upon it but and and I think Ken has a book on Bibles and the UFOs uh, UFOs and the Bible so um, you know yeah. there was no no sense in replicating that but you you go back way way far and I forget I think it was China and 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 way back uh, BC. And apparently, one of the emperors saw that the the, the, um, the stars there were moving around and everything. He was greatly concerned, and he had his his magi come in, and you know, he asked them, you know, what's the cause of this? And after they had spoken together for a very long time, he was told not to worry about it. It was just the breeze blowing the stars around. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's you know, it, interesting. Yeah, so, so I guess the fear really was is a more of a modern day um spin you know um, sure look at look at orson welles and his war of the worlds i mean you know taking over humanity i it it boggles my mind that our country makes everything you know a new invention has to be you know how do we make a weapon of it um, and U- UFOs, you know, taking over the country. Um, it, it's. I don't believe that uh, that that they mean harm, and and I'm not sure I'm buying cattle mutilations and all of that as being aliens. And um, I just the more I see about it, the more I think that that I, I think we're being lied to on so many different levels, theoretically. Eisenhower met with aliens and had a um, a uh, oh uh, uh, they signed a contract with the aliens and and all I could think of was 
How stupid do you think we are? I mean, <laughs> they signed mm-hmm. a contract with an alien race. <laughs> sure they did. Uh-huh. Look what we did with the Native Americans. We had peace uh-huh. treaties with them. We signed the peace treaties, and then we killed them all. We gave yeah, them yeah. blankets that were infected with smallpox. I mean, any powerful country signing an, um, uh, a um, treaty with a race that is supposedly much, much less than them, and, and right. you know, they don't need a treaty. They can just sense. come and do whatever yeah. the hell they want. Really? I mean, it's, and then, it's, boy, I'd like to see the language of the treaty as well, you know, when you think about not it. Not only that, but how did they sign? Are they humanoid? I mean, mm-hmm. come on. I, The yeah. more I think about it, the more I think that, that we humans are very much like um, those very, very primitive people who didn't understand things and made up stories to make them feel better. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think that... Humans today are doing the exact same thing, but but with bigger words and with with greater authenticity-sounding speech. But we don't know. And right. anybody who can, you know, come through a portal or or you know any of that stuff, they've got to be millions of years ahead of us, and we must be very primitive to them. And and actually, we have a non-intervention clause with primitive people in the Amazon especially to not interfere with them, to not, you know, take our technology right. into them, to, to let them develop. And I would imagine that's exactly a Star Trek, non-intervention. Yep. You know, <laughs> I think it's I think it's the same thing. Um, are yeah. you familiar with the, the Rendlesham Forest um, event? No. No, I don't know that one. Rendlesham Forest... Um, is in England, and it happened after. Um, oh gosh, it it was it was in the 50s or 60s. I I don't exactly remember the date. Um, they all blend together after a while. But anyhow, it was a it was a um, military base um, that, that had um, the U.S. and British people in it, and a UFO was spotted, and they they sent in, they sent out military to investigate it. One of the, two of the military people went into the forest and there was, it it, it appeared to be a drone, a a big drone, kind of like less than a, less than a, um, less than, than, than a car, but about that size. And it was floating and one of the, one of the soldiers that, you know, went up and touched it and and he felt there were glyphs on it, and you know he didn't know what they meant or anything because they weren't hieroglyphics. They were they were glyphs, but strange. He ran his hand over it, and he was downloaded with a tremendous amount of binary code. And um, he he wrote the ones and zeros down in a notebook, and then saved it. And it, the the object was there. You know, and it took off and it went, and you know there was flack about it, and, and I think it came back the next day, but nobody actually got that close. But the military never asked him about the notebook, and they were just told they were not to speak of this ever again, and you know it was clamped down and don't talk about it. Well, many years later, he showed the notebook to uh, Linda Morton Howe, who mm-hmm. said to him.
that's binary code. And and they had it interpreted. And by golly, it had um, the latitude and longitude of a lot of the sacred sites around the country. And it had, among other things, um, a message that, that basically said um, observation of the human evolution, further study is needed. And then it had point of origin with 8,100. So that's, that's like 6,000 years from now. So apparently the drone was from the future that was sent back to the past. Wow. Yeah, that, so, that is amazing when you think about, you know, not only, you know, because when one, you know, contemplates um, the idea of, you know, extraterrestrial visits, you know, and then we look at the size and distance of space and time, you know, the idea of, being able to time travel or even, you know, different dimensions as far as uh-huh. being a source of, of possible contact. You know, that, you know, that just kind of opens up the idea of, you know, of course, you know, our, our logical mind of, you know, the, the physics of the universe, you know, maybe, maybe not quite you know, whether, you know, what what are truly the, the full extent of the, the laws of the universe, but um, but seems to be an understanding. Um, now, we only have a few more minutes, but I wanted to ask you, you know, the, in the introduction I talked about, you know, the, um, the UFO phenomena or in the recent times the UAP threat. You know, the idea of now using the acronym UAP or Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, <laughs> Do you think that 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 is um, like an attempt to reframe the topic and to kind of maybe get away from some of the preconceived UFO baggage that 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 term may carry? I, I think they're trying to you know get away from that. I know we have a space fleet out there that that theoretically has visited some uh, planets with other humanoid um, people, aliens. And, and frankly, uh, humans are, are not indigenous to this planet. Um, our DNA is taken back to its purest form is much older than the Earth is. So we had to have come from somewhere else originally. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't trust the government anymore with how they have um, concealed material from us and then suddenly things come out and it it, to me it's sort of like even even when you talk about different alien races not sure I even buy that Um, I I think that most likely anything anything or anyone visiting this planet is going to be humanoid and I know they talk about the ant people and my theory on that is um, they were called ant people because they lived underground, not because they looked like mm. ants. And yeah. and so, I, I mean, change of color? Yeah, I think that possibly, you know, they might have different uh, skin tones, but I think they are probably humanoid just like us. The Vimanas are, are always represented as green and and in the Egyptian hieroglyphs, usually um, they're blue, 
and I, I can, I, I will absolutely buy the, the, they might be different colors or different sizes because they talk about tall, the tall Nordics and they talk about the grays and they talk, so, so they're all humanoid. So I don't think mm -hmm. that, you know, reptilians, I don't think so. I, I think that's yeah. just somebody's, somebody had <laughs> bad Mexican food for dinner and that's where it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it certainly is fascinating. You know, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, it, uh -huh. you know, the the more we learn, the more we want to to know. You know, and you know, and I think, you know, being very discerning as to the information we receive is is really important. Oh, absolutely. And you know, that's that's. Not the first time there's been something that's been something like binary code left behind. Bosnian pyramids had a, a stone in it that, that had, again, glyphs that were not interpreted, be, were not able to be interpreted, but finally were. And basically, when they finally were able to sort of piece together what the glyphs on the stone meant, it was, it was sort of we filled the tunnels, we've closed the channels. And we will we will protect the entrance and wait for the stargate to open again. Mm. Again, humanoid. Yep, yep. And again is the key. <laughs> it was at one point. Well, Barbara, this has really been a treat. I really enjoy catching up with you, and and delighted to to hear that Whispers has been. Um, Republished or you know a new edition um, out there, yeah. and um, and before Roswell, sounds like a, it's a very interesting book. As I was going through it, there were just some uh, some stories that I had never heard. Now they may have been on your website, or you know uh, Patrick may have had them, but they were new to me. So I think for anyone who's interested in the topic of UFOs, that's a great source. Oh, absolutely, and and Ken did a brilliant job of. You know, he like I said, he, there are over 300 in the book, but there are many more on the website. And you know, he chose wisely and, and judicial, judiciously. And um, it makes the, the, I've read I've read through it a number of times, and every time I read through it, I, I keep seeing something else I had missed the first time. So, um, hate to brag, but you know, you know, I didn't do the gathering, so I can brag. I, I think it's a beautiful collection of stories that it's very much like, you know, there are some gorgeous stories about Bigfoots that show them to be very um, human-like and, and gentle as opposed to these raging idiots that people are going out trying to, to kill one, which is stupid. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. there's humanity for you. Absolutely. Let's kill it. Well, if we don't understand it, let's kill it. Let's kill it, right. Ugh. I know, zero degree, you know, solar system here. Um, but thank you very much for your time. I, I really enjoyed catching up with you, and I'm sure that oh, we pleasure. will keep in touch, um, maybe before another eight or nine years. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> so, would be nice. Thank you, for your, thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye now. You're welcome. Bye. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Barbara DeLong. And we've been talking about her new book, along with Ken Cotsford. Um, the book is called Before Roswell, The Secret History of UFOs. 
Again, you can find out more by visiting Barbara's website, which is barbaradelong.com. And thank you for tuning in. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.